Good morning. It's really great to be with you here this morning. Of course, I would much rather be with you in person, face to face, rather than looking at my own face and computer screen. Um, just a little introduction, as I'm sure many of you don't know me. My name's Ruth. I'm married to Paul and along with our four kids, we live here in Rwanda in East Africa. We moved here a little over three years ago. I'm a nurse and Paul runs a small web design programming business. And we're here representing an organization called World Horizons. And we're here really to serve a Rwandan-led sending agency. So to see Rwandans trained and sent to other parts of Africa where the church is not yet established and is not yet strong. But I do have and feel a connection with you, Hub Church, um, through various relationships over the years. I was in Vancouver, Canada, when Phil and Helen Norris were there, when Phil was studying at Regent College. And I had the privilege and the pain of walking with my dear friend Cara um, when she lost her dad, Dave Marchmont, in 2000 and two. And then more recently, Paul and I were at Bible College with Dan Wake and Dan and Emma remain close friends of ours. And all of that really is to say that I come to you today as family, that we're connected, we're a global family, and that is a gift and is so precious. So today is Palm Sunday. And this marks the start of a hugely significant week in the global church calendar as we start Passion Week or Holy Week. And this is the week that leads us to Easter Sunday, where we celebrate and we remember the resurrection of Jesus and how that changed history and changed our lives. Death defeated. But first we need to get there. First, we need to journey and travel there. And I want to invite you to, if you're able, walk slowly through this week, to engage with Holy Week, to engage with Passion Week. There are some simple tools, lots of tools out there that can help you. One simple thing is to take a chapter of Mark from chapter 11 onwards. Take a chapter a day throughout the rest of this week and read that chapter and reflect on the story of, of Jesus and where he is and what he's doing. And I don't know if many of you have heard or accessed the Lectio 365 app. It's an app you can easily download onto your phone, created by 24-7 Prayer. And I've deeply appreciated the daily devotionals that they have posted there. So I really recommend you engaging with that throughout this week. So today, Palm Sunday, is when we remember the journey that Jesus took as he entered Jerusalem, what's known as the triumphal entry. And we're going to read together from the book of Mark, chapter 11, and the first 11 verses. So I'll just read those for us now. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. Just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it 
and we'll send it back here shortly. They went, they found a colt outside in the street, tied in a doorway, and they untied it. Some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So I'm entitling our time together, our talk together, as it wasn't meant to look like this. And hopefully as we unpack and unfold the story a bit more, we'll see why. Now for us in 2021, we obviously know the end of the story. We know the remaining five chapters of Mark and we know how the story unfolds. We've probably even read this story many many times but perhaps today if it's the first time that you have heard this story you are really welcome here we are glad that you're here and we want you to know there's room for you today and welcome and I hope I can do the story justice to dive a bit further into it for you so that's what I want us to do I want us to pause and dive a bit deeper into what is happening in this story and how it would have looked and sounded especially to a first century Jew at that time. So the first thing to note is Jesus has been setting his direction towards Jerusalem. It's important for us to remember this, he didn't just accidentally jump on a train or a bus that was headed in the wrong direction, one stop Jerusalem. His journey would have been intentional, it would have been long, it would have been slow, and he took it with friends. It would have taken him through Ephraim, Galilee, uh, sorry, Jericho, and on to Bethany, where he probably would have stayed with his friends. Jesus knows what is coming. He knows what's ahead of him. He knows that here in Jerusalem, he will face his death. We see this in Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10. He predicts his death, tries to warn his disciples, his followers about what is coming. He knows what's waiting for him. He knows and he sets his face towards the journey, putting one foot in front of the other and continuing. As Jesus enters Jerusalem, he sends two of his disciples to find a colt, a donkey, one that has never been ridden before. And this in itself is really significant. We know from books in the Old Testament that the, the beginning part of the Bible, that when a priest sacrificed an animal, this animal needed to be clean. It needed to have never been under a yoke. That means it needed to have not been worked or ridden before. So when Jesus, by asking for an animal that has not been ridden before, 
he's asking for an animal that is fit for sacrifice, that is ready to be used by a priest. Which is remarkable because just as Jesus himself was the ultimate great high priest, just as Jesus himself was preparing to be the ultimate and final sacrifice. And the fact that Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, the significance of this would not have gone unnoticed to those around him. Jesus is making a huge statement here. By riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, he is announcing that he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, the Chosen One, the Anointed One, the One who will deliver Israel. This image comes directly from a book in the Bible called Zechariah, about 400 years before this incident, this story with Jesus. Now, Zechariah was a prophet, meaning somebody who brought God's message And although Zechariah brought a message for a specific context at a specific time, he also brought messages about what was still to come, about what was ahead. And some of these were about the Messiah, the Son of God, the Deliverer of Israel, about what he would do, about what he would be like. And one such prophecy can be found in chapter 9 in the book of Zechariah. And it describes the coming of the King, the coming of the Messiah, And in fact, in the story that John portrays of Jesus entering Jerusalem, Jesus uses exact words from this prophecy. Jesus says, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. So when people saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, some would have immediately thought of this prophecy The king has come. The Messiah has arrived. Jesus entered Jerusalem at the beginning of a major Jewish festival called Passover, where Jews, the people of Israel, are remembering and are celebrating God rescuing his people from oppression and slavery in Egypt more than 1,000 years ago. And here they are again living as oppressed people under Roman rule, waiting for freedom, waiting to be delivered once again, longing for their oppression to be removed, to be set free from being ruled by others, to see Rome overthrown. So here we have Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and therefore recalling to people's mind the prophecy in Zechariah and indeed fulfilling that prophecy. The prophecy also speaks about one coming who will proclaim peace to the nations, the one whose rule will extend from sea to sea to the ends of the earth, who will free prisoners, the one who will restore. So the triumphal entry, indeed victory has come. Jesus the Messiah, the one who will save them from oppression is here riding on a donkey as prophesied. Can you imagine being there? We can see it now, we can hear it. People thinking, now I understand what's happening. We've heard rumors, we've seen healings, we've heard stories, we've seen 
deliverance, people's lives have been changed by this man, Jesus. Now I see it. Now he's here. Our Messiah has come. The triumphal entry into Jerusalem by Jesus would have been seen as a sign as Rome finally being overthrown. So the crowd would have welcomed Jesus in a huge way, waving palm branches, a sign of victory, laying down their cloaks to acknowledge him as worthy, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. It was a party, a victory parade. Surely now, surely this is it. The king has come to bring our freedom to overthrow Rome and Roman oppression. Yes, yes, he had. He would bring freedom. He would bring victory. He would bring a new rule and reign, but not in the way that was expected. What? Jesus? It wasn't meant to be like this. Instead of drawing his sword, instead of bringing chariots and war horses, instead of fighting the Roman rulers and calling people to action in that way, we see in verse 11 of this chapter in Mark that Jesus paused, looked around, he went to the temple, but it was late, so he returned to his friends in Bethlehem. Sorry, what, Jesus? It, it wasn't meant to look like this. Can you imagine being there knowing that the prophecy has been fulfilled and many other prophecies about the Messiah? You have been waiting, waiting for generations, waiting for the new king, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the son of God, waiting for freedom from oppression, for deliverance. And he's here. You can see it now. You've seen it. But then he turns around and he leaves the city of Jerusalem and goes back to his friends in Bethany. The confusion, the disappointment, maybe even the pain and the anger, it wasn't meant to look like this, Jesus. I wonder, have we ever felt like this? Maybe in the last 12 months of the pandemic, maybe years before, it wasn't meant to look like this. Jesus, it wasn't meant to be like this. As I said, we know the end of the story. In some ways, it appears to get worse before it gets better. We know that in the last week, Jesus is betrayed. He's bound. He's questioned by the high priests. He's slapped. He's whipped. He's truly and utterly humiliated. And he is killed, crucified like a criminal. It wasn't meant to look like this. It wasn't meant to be this way. If that's been our question or our thought over the last 12 months or before, then we are in good company. We can place ourselves in this story. We can find solace and hope and comfort we are in good company. For me, this has been my question and my journey over the past 13 months to be vulnerable with you for a moment. Um, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017 and though 
she successfully went into remission. It was short-lived and um, she relapsed in September of 2019. We were here living in Rwanda, like I said, East Africa. And I never actually asked God that she would be healed. That might be surprising, maybe even shocking to you. That just was never something I felt to ask. Other people did, many other people did, probably some of you did. But for me, my one request, my one prayer was that I would be with her or I would see her before she died. We thought she had a while left, she was having treatment. And then in um, February of 2020, she was in hospital having what was um, what was to be a fairly routine procedure. And we received a call from my dad to say that things had taken a turn for the worst and the doctors felt like she just had weeks to live. Um, then 24 hours after receiving this call, we received another call from my dad to say that my mum had had uh, a cardiac episode in hospital and that she was at the end of her life, that there were hours, maybe days, but um, she had hours left on this earth. In that moment of receiving that phone call, for me, I felt like something shifted, something changed. It was like something cracked in my understanding of God, in my relationship with God. I, the disappointment and the pain, the one question I had asked him, the one question I had asked him was, that I wanted to see mum before she died and if possible be with her when she died and it we were here at that moment months months earlier than we anticipated I was in Rwanda she was in Oxford England and um, we had to make the very difficult near impossible decision of choosing not to try to go back to see her before she passed away the remarkable and amazing thing was my sister and her husband and their family were with me. They were over with my family on holiday. Um, so we were together, my sister and I, and the kids were with their cousins. And we spent what was an incredible pain, incredibly painful, but remarkably precious 48 hours together on the phone a lot with my dad, on the video with my mum. Praying, singing, releasing my mum. It was pain like I'd never known it before, not just because we were saying goodbye to mum, but because of the disappointment that I felt by God in the pain of not having that question, that prayer, that hope of being with mum. I was with her, of course, but not physically. Then a month late, we find ourselves back in England for mum's funeral. And a month after my mum's funeral, my dad is blue lighted into hospital to intensive care with COVID. And we spend another painful 48 hours, my sister and I, um, being told by doctors that the next 48 hours were crucial for dad, whether his oxygen requirements would increase and he'd need to be ventilated or whether he would, you know, not need to be ventilated and be look at improving 
As it was, thankfully, Dad did improve. He wasn't needed to be ventilated and spent 12 days in ICU and recovered um, and is fit and well and healthy. And I know that that is not everybody's story. But in a month, I had had a funeral to celebrate the life of my mum and then a month later was being faced with the possibility of losing my dad. And I was at um, church one morning when we were permitted and allowed to still be together before lockdown after my mum had died. And um, I couldn't sing. I couldn't, I couldn't sing. I couldn't open my mouth. I couldn't, the words could not come. And my friend, two friends came and stood either side of me and they held my hand as as I cried and as I wept and as I said, I can't, I can't sing. And my friend, Kirsty, she turned to me, she looked at me and she said, Ruth, then we'll sing for you. We will sing for you until you can sing again. We will sing for you. And that was a precious moment where I saw the power of community. I don't know where we put ourselves in this story. I don't know if we would place ourselves in the victory parade, laying down palm branches and crying Hosanna, throwing down our coats in recognition that he is worthy. Or if once we see Jesus turn away and walk away from Jerusalem, if we would place ourselves in the story saying, hang on, Jesus, it, it, it wasn't meant to look like this. You're here. You've arrived. You've come. You're meant to be overthrowing the Roman oppression and rule. It wasn't meant to look like this. Where would we place ourselves in this story? When life looks like we think it should look, it's easy to have perspective, isn't it? When the view is clear for miles around us, it's easy for us to see. When life looks how we expected, how we predicted, how we wanted, it's easy to rejoice and be glad and believe. When our Messiah King is riding in on a donkey, fulfilling our expectations and our ideas, it's easy to worship him. It's easy to wave our palm branches but it wasn't meant to look like Jesus walking away. It wasn't meant to look like Jesus bound, like Jesus beaten, like Jesus humiliated and killed. Even when Sunday came, even when he had risen again and defeated death once and for all and changed history, changed everything. The world would never be the same after Easter Sunday. It's the foundation of our faith. Even then, for many, perhaps the majority in this story at this time, it still didn't look like freedom from Roman rule. It still didn't mean Jesus overthrowing the Romans. It still didn't mean freedom from oppression in that way. 
it wasn't meant to look like this. You said you were the Messiah? You were meant to deliver us, save us. We're still waiting, Jesus. Yet he had. Jesus was the son of God, is the son of God. He was the Messiah. He did defeat death. He did bring freedom. He did usher in and welcome in a new kingdom, an eternal one, an everlasting one. One where death truly has lost its sting. One where we can know freedom far deeper, far more profound than a freedom from an external rule. It's a freedom that changes us from the inside, from the core of our being. He just did it in a way that we weren't expecting. It wasn't meant to look like this. It didn't look how they were expecting. These past 13 months for many of us, I imagine all of us, have looked so very different from how we expected. The journey of my mum looked so very different from how I expected. It wasn't meant to be like this, Jesus. She wasn't meant to go like that. There have been times through the last 13 months where I have lived more in Easter Saturday than in between where I have lived more in the waiting, sometimes in darkness, in pain and disappointment. It wasn't meant to look like this, Jesus. But we know the end of the story. We know that Easter Sunday did come and we know that Easter Sunday is coming again. We know that all will be made new. We may still be waiting and wondering and asking. Maybe we need to take someone's hand until we can sing again. Maybe we need to be the ones that do the singing on behalf of those who can't yet. There is so much more to say about this story. So much more to say. Where are we still waiting? What questions do we have? Where has life looked so different from how we expected. Do we know Jesus? If you don't know him yet, I assure you that he is worth everything. He is worth knowing. Please contact someone from Hub Church today to know more. He's worth celebrating. He is worth throwing down our cloaks in adoration. He is worthy. Life may not look like how we expected or anticipated or wanted, especially right now. But one day, one day it will because he is coming back. We long for that day. We wait for that day. We yearn for that day. And in the meantime, we worship. In the meantime, we sing. Or if we can't sing, we hold on to someone's hand who can sing for our behalf. For he is worthy.